Hello and welcome to the Untied at Work podcast. Welcome to Untied at Work, a break from the ordinary at work. This podcast is meant to show us how to laugh at ourselves and find ways to make who we work with as important as what we do at work. So, Linda, let's play the next caller game, shall we? Sounds fun. For those of you who don't know Linda, she's the founder and CEO of Cortex Leadership Consulting, an author. She has consulted and coached over 6,000 leaders and has trained more than 10,000 executives and teams worldwide. All right, Linda, I'm going to ask you five questions about our guest. Okay. Five questions. If he matches three of your five answers, you're going to win. What? A golden ticket to Willy Wonka land. Willy Wonka land where all the chocolate is. Yes. I'm in. Are you ready? Yes. Number one, does our guest have any tattoos? You know, I know him and there's no visible tattoos. I'm trying to think. I'm going to guess no. No tattoos. No tattoos. Mm -mm. Not even a tramp stamp? I don't think so. Okay. Has our guest ever been the victim of an open mouth insert foot moment? There is nobody in HR who has not had that moment. No one in leadership. So I am going to say absolutely. Has our guest ever been line dancing? You know, he seems really fun, and he has he has a wife and two daughters, and I just would think they would drag him out to line dance. So, yes. Uh, yes, I'm yes. Okay. Was our guest a wild man in college? I don't know. I mean, I, there's part of him I could see that he could be wild in college, so I'm going to go with yes, but that's iffy. That's iffy. And last question, can our guest finish this line? The devil went down to Georgia. Oh, yeah. He's going to be able to do that. Okay. No doubt. All right. Let's get our guest on the phone. So, hello. You are our guest. Our guest spotlight is David Thaler. David is the CPO, the chief people officer for Haskell, a global architecture engineer and construction firm for the 11th consecutive year. David's team at Haskell was named by Training Magazine as one of the Apex Award winners, formerly Training Top 100, an exclusive list of the leading training organizations globally. Last month, Haskell was announced as being ranked number one for 2023, their fifth year within the top 20. Congratulations, David. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you very much. I have uh, asked Linda five questions about you. If you match three of her five answers, you're both going to win a golden ticket to Willy Wonka land, which is something I just made <laughs> okay. up. Okay. That sounded like fun to me, David. Do you have any tattoos? Not at all. <gasps> Ding! I got that one right. Got that one right. Have you ever thought about getting a tattoo? No, never. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever been the victim of an open mouth insert foot moment? Yes. See? Anything you want to share or... You know, I think it happens pretty often when you're sitting in the role I sit in. I think it happens a lot where you think you could talk about certain things and you realize maybe you shouldn't be talking about things. <laughs> I told him there's not an HR person in the world that wouldn't say yes to that question. So far, you're two for two. Have you ever been line dancing? Not on by my choice. <gasps> See, wife. yes. Who so dragged you out choice, to line dance? Uh, my wife and her family. <laughs> That's it. That That's is it. money. That's a win. All right. Were you a wild man in college? No, not at all. Dang. She was hoping. I know. I was like, really? maybe he yeah. was wild in college. I, I thought I thought I'd get the other three right, so. 
I was I was risking it. Right, but not that one. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Wishful thinking on Linda's part. And last one for the win. You've already won. Can you finish this line? The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. Nice job. Yeah. Well done, my friend. Well done. We both get a ticket to Willy Wonka's <laughs> Chocolate Factory. Which means absolutely squat. If you want your prize, you can go to www.squat.com, and that's where you'll find it, David. Oh, that's good. That's so, good. I'm used to that, being in the role I'm in. Yeah. Well, we know just how busy you are, and we really appreciate you being on the phone with us. Since you are our executive spotlight, would you mind if Linda asked you a few questions? Oh, sure. Yeah, I was I was curious in your position when you think about the future like if you look at the next five years you know we're looking at chat gtp and everybody playing with that and artificial intelligence and all the things that are changing what do you think is going to change the most about developing leaders you know it's interesting i mean we've had a lot of conversation as as we continue to grow as an organization it's there are things that are changing i mean there's things that stay the same like storytelling and telling leaders they have to be able to tell stories and and motivate people through their storytelling and and those sort of things but i think some of the things that we're going to have to focus on for the future are you know helping our leaders understand how do they lead forward when there's so many uh, different cultures in the workplace today and you know so how do you bring the people together how do you make sure that you're able to you know get through difficult situations and calm tensions and 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 make sure when uh, you're you're communicating, you're getting people to be able to agree, uh, which is hard. I mean, and when you look at having all these different cultures that are in the workplace today, you know, leaders are going to have to have that skill to be able to to calm down those tensions and and lead people forward. That's one big area I think that uh, we're going to have to focus on for the future. You know, I was thinking as you were talking, which was, was a great answer to that question. I was thinking about leaders needing to be good facilitators, really, because you're like facilitating a conversation between co- people to come up with um, a solution that they can both agree on and be motivated to work towards, right? Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, communication has always been one of those skills that you hope leaders are growing and developing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think connected to that is, you know, and, and I've heard this phrase over and over, but that quiet transparency that a leader mm-hmm. should have uh, of being able to, you know, lead, you know, authentically and openly with folks without coming off as self-promoting or trying to drive things forward. So I think that that ties very closely to that communication skill is how do, how do you, you know, do that, you know, with quiet transparency? Yeah, it's difficult, right? Like how how transparent are you? What are you transparent about? What what works against you to be totally transparent about versus that you just need to give enough information so they feel informed, right, and listen in a way that they feel heard? One of the what's one of the biggest lessons that you you've learned in your career and that you wished you had learned sooner. It's probably going to be interesting that I say this, but I think it's that, you know, the leader is not necessarily the smartest one in the room. And I I think as I, you know, grew up in organizations, I always thought the leader was the smartest one and should be telling you exactly what to do. I wish I would have learned earlier that that's not the case. I think I've experienced that and fortunately have worked for some great people that that hasn't been the case. But I wish I would have learned that earlier that, you know, leaders, just because in your, you're in that role doesn't mean you're you're the smartest one in the room and you shouldn't be. I, I remember um, hearing Dave Clark speaking about if you think you're the smartest one in the room, you probably need to leave the room. <laughs> and it's always stuck with me. What do you think you would have done differently if you had that belief early on? I think it offered more um, feedback, 
you know, mm-hmm. got more involved in conversations because you didn't feel like uh, you were challenging the leader. So I think I w- probably would have, you know, pushed more on different ideas and concepts. And, you know, and I'm going back, you know, in my career, so 20 plus years. And that's what I think back to is, is that's probably would have changed how I communicated with, you know, as being an individual contributor or, or an up-and-coming leader in an organization. Uh, I, I think I probably would have been more um, more forceful with ideas and concepts early on in my career. Yeah, and like more confident, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, you didn't feel threatened by, you know, a leader just because they had the title. It was, you know, they wanted to encourage your ideas. And, um, and some leaders back when I first started, that's not how they operated. And <laughs> I see how much that's needed today is leaders who really understand and, and embrace that they don't they don't want to be the smartest one in the room. They want to hire smarter people than they are so they can get the job done and focus on the future. And and I think that's a big challenge for organizations if they have leaders who do think they, they are the smartest one around and they don't need anybody else. Well, and having worked with you, I can definitely say that you're a very collaborative person to get to work with as a leader because you always want to hear different ideas. You want input. Like, I I don't feel like you feel complete in the decision that you make until you get some of that feedback. So I think you set a really good example in that regard um, from the experiences I've had with you. I I was worried you were going to say, well, definitely, David, I know you and you're not the smartest one in the world. I'm glad you didn't say that. (laughs) I like David. I think I'm going to get a tattoo. Do I have your permission to get a neck tat of David Thaler on my neck? I do. I do. And then you can go to the chocolate factory with us is what I'm thinking. I like it. (laughs) Well, thank you, David. That was really nice of you to take some time for us. I appreciate you being on today. All right. Well, you have a good day. All okay, right. Thanks, thanks, David. David seems like a great communicator. I can see why he's in the position that he's in. He's, I think when you're running a global organization that is so diverse in so many different countries and everything else, it, he has a tough job. And if he doesn't communicate effectively... It's landing on a lot of people at one time. <laughs> well, let's talk about communication. Let's play what channel of communication to use, shall we? I like it. Okay. Yes. Here we go. With Linda McNutt Foster, you need to know the status of a project or task someone has agreed to. Okay. So you didn't swoop and poop, which means you didn't just send them an email and say you needed something by a certain date. And now they haven't done it. So this means you actually had a conversation, they committed to doing something, and now you just haven't gotten it. And so that's a fine email to send, and it sounds something like, hey, Brett, just checking in on that that project we were going to have by today. How are you doing on that? Can you give me a status update? Simple, easy, kind, right? Not curt. It's nice to start an email with hello or hey or something. And yes, she did actually just say swoop and poop. Swoop and poop. Sounds like I something did. we do that's, in the litter that's box. Where, that's where the bosses just come by, delegate, they swoop and poop. All right. Number two, you have to communicate something that the other person probably doesn't want to hear. Never in an email. Like don't, I would not do an email. I would do a phone call at least because in communication, 7% is words, is tone of voice, and 55% is body language. That is very specific. It's it's from conversational intelligence. It's it's, it's actually a long-time research study that um, she used to do that. So you kind of think about it. In in emails, you just have words, and people read based on their tone of voice. 
how they would do it. Yeah, right. Right. So if they're cynical, they're reading your words as cynical. Yeah. They're applying all the tone because they have nothing to go by. So if you're going to say something to something somebody they don't want to hear, you just pick up the phone and call, and especially if you're in a relationship with them, so you can get... You can find out exactly. You may think you're you're giving them really bad news, but they don't. It's not bad news to them. I made that very mistake last night. I'm going to find this text. The text was, and it was at 9:40, and I'm a morning guy, so I was in bed already. And it says, "I'm taking off this Friday, getting something delivered. Also, I'm taking off September 5th through 12th." (laughs) So I texted back, pointed text for 9:40 p.m. I'll make arrangements, but also need you to put that into the system. He put no worries. This morning he came in and went, what does this mean? Pointed text at 940. And I went, well, no, it was just to the point. It wasn't, hey, man, is it okay if I have this this Friday off? Right, because he reports to you. Is that correct? Yes. And, and Well, I mean, so he has to have permission to get off. I mean, that's appropriate to ask. You know, I've, I would like to make plans to be off on these dates. Does that sound like something that um, would be okay with you? Much more well-received. Yeah, it lands. It's respectful. Yeah. I mean, mostly you just want to make um, things respectful. I mean, err on the side of professionalism if you're going to err. Do not err on the side of too casual, especially if you're talking to your boss. Yeah. Yeah. You'll end up in HR. (laughs) Number three, uh, you received a curt email that you interpret as being disrespectful. Right. So the, the hardest thing to do in email is to assume good intention. Different behavioral styles type very differently in email. So perhaps if you think it's curt, have someone else read it. And go, because they may say, that's not Kurt. That's just the way Brett is when he's really in a hurry. Yeah. Oh, okay. And so take a check on that. Um, If they're asking for something, try to give them what they need back and then have a conversation maybe later. Hey, can you tell me like, (laughs) like I read your emails, Kurt, you probably didn't mean it that way, but is that like common for you? And usually people who type emails like that are like, oh my God, yeah, it's just an email. I'm just getting to it. Like it's, it's yeah, don't right. take it personally ever. I'm just doing a task. On those emails, I want to always email back and go, watch your tone, jackpipe. But I feel like <laughs> jackpipe isn't really a word that you can use in a professional setting. <laughs> My answer is usually going to be don't make assumptions. There you go. Don't make assumptions. Thank you. Number four, you are late on a project deadline and know that it's going to create disruption for others. Okay, so you could do that in an email, but what it would sound like is, Brett, Diel, Alan, I just want to let you know that I'm I'm not going to be on time on this deadline. What I can do is do this and that. I'm sure this is going to cause some disruption, so let me know how I can help with this, and here's when I think I can get it to you. That's and I would pro- respond back and go, you tell the boss that you're running late, <laughs> that you brought us behind. Right, you brought it you up. be the one to break you that news. You be the one. And if it's if it's bad enough to where it's major disruptions, you may need to take some time to call a few people and apologize. You know, I don't know what's happened. It's okay to apologize to yeah, people. Common courtesy. Yeah, it's you don't walk around. Lives. Well, you know, when they're coaching women, it's like they're telling us, you know, don't constantly say you're sorry. So it's not, I'm sorry. You can also say, hey, thanks for your patience with me. I'm not hitting this deadline. Nice. Right. 
Uh, how about this one? Your boss makes a decision that you don't think is fair. You need to think a long time about this. You need to gather some information. And when you, you say you, have... you're like looking at me. Is oh, that... sorry. <laughs> I feel don't like this is directed at me. Brit. No, don't charge in there, Brit. Um, yeah, so you definitely want to gather information, assume good intent, assume that there was it, lots of things you didn't know, and, you know, create some questions that you would ask the person before you make determinations on what you're going to say to them. So most people just, you know, I can't believe this, this isn't fair. I need to tell them it isn't fair. And worse, they go on email and send an email. Don't ever do that. Yeah. Ha pick up the phone or send an email and say, can I have five minutes of your time? I just have a few questions to ask about the decision that just came out. I just want to get some clarity around it get them on the phone or her and you say, Hey, I know this was probably a tough decision potentially. And I just had some questions so that I can get some clarity around it. Well, why? Well, because I look, I, I first want to have information before I jump to any conclusions or make any assumptions. So to recap, have the worst possible assumptions, send back inflammatory emails and then everything with jackpot. Exactly. Okay, I got I it. I like it. I yeah, got that's it. perfect. Uh-huh. That's it. Yeah. Dial's over there looking at me going, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you on this podcast? So, uh, Dial, we've got such a special guest with us. I love this guy. Dial Bagot is the president of CMIT Solutions and was the global head of technology for 20 years with Bank of America. This dude is big time. Dial, cybersecurity is a very big deal, and I know a lot of companies are trying to train their employees to do some things, not other things, to be able to keep their systems safe. So. In all the companies that you've gone in and you've had to kind of like clean up these cybersecurity issues, what are the three riskiest things that the employees do that cause the biggest problems when it comes to the security of their company systems? Great question, Linda. The top three things that I can uh, mention, which I have experience in, uh, in my working experience and dealing with a lot of companies, first and foremost is falling for the phishing scam. People clicking on the links in the email, they do not recognize who, are, who the email is from. That's number one. Matter of fact, that's 85% uh, of the chances of getting ransomware in the uh, networks that you are in. And they're good at it, too. I was going to say, they're amazing at it. It looks very personal. And phishing is P-H-I-S-H. Because I know when I didn't understand what phishing meant, I didn't even know what anybody was talking about. Yeah. But phishing is when you get this email and it looks very personal. They'll even to use you, the logo of the actual company. Oh, yeah. they, they stole American Express's logo and almost got me several yeah. times. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Matter of fact, on my way here, I have a phishing attack that I'm working with one company right now resolving that. Yeah. So, oh, I'm sure. So it's absolutely that's number one. Uh, and second, by the way, you yeah. work with you work with businesses across the country nationally. Nationally, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. The second one is uh, weak passwords. You know, believe it or not, that's number two uh, issue that I have seen where the password has been pretty weak, uh, or it's been written down on the computer or keyboard. So nowadays, the password uh, eight character password can be brute uh, enter in no time. So yeah. that's that's one uh, second mistake that I've seen 
employee makes having a very easy password that can be guessed and get, uh, allow hackers to get into the system and steal the data. So let me ask you something about that because we have so many passwords for so many different things. How do we make those complicated and yet remember them? Because I know lots of people that have one password and they use it for everything, which is very dangerous, I would think. So do you recommend some type of system right now that keeps hold of all my passwords, I can make them complicated, and I can get into systems without, you know, this massive big file that I have to keep track of. Absolutely, Linda. There are definitely enterprise programs available that will make their password generations and complexity easier on a user. And more importantly, those passwords will be remembered by the system. So next time user log in, they can be automatically typed in. Mm. That allows user flexibility of having a complex password, but at the same time, they don't have to remember. So there are tools available that can company leverage to make those passwords available and complex at the same time. So would you recommend storing your passwords in the contact section in your phone? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Do not. Put I actually use, a, yeah. a, and I don't know if this is a standard thing, but I use a thing called Dashlane, huh. and it remembers everything. And That's one of the uh, alternative, yes. Those are good for the personal password manager, but yeah. as an enterprise, there are enterprise tools available, which you know stores the password, but it doesn't keep it on the system. It's on hash, so it's very secure but it definitely you know, allow you to create a password up to 256 characters. People don't have to remember. Let's say if you wanted to log into amazon.com, it will, when you go to their website, it will automatically type the password for you. Oh, wow. And, and it will tell you when to restore the password or when to re replace the password, all of that. So user can do the activity as they would without even having burden of remembering the password. Third one is failure to keep software up to date. I'm not talking about Microsoft software or any of the standard stack that's available. I'm talking third-party software that we all download that is fashionable to download nowadays, you know, third-party software in terms of shareware or any productivity software. Those are the biggest problem. Well, first you're gonna to need to define more clearly what is a third-party software. What are some, I heard you say shareware. Mm. What are some other common examples of third-party shareware that people probably won't update? Absolutely, third-party software. There are a lot of examples I can give. Adobe is an example of a third-party software where you download their reader, but if you don't update them on a regular basis, it allows them to get into the back door. So it's very important for a user to make sure they update the software when they ask for the update, especially at work, but it's also at home. So when that little thing comes on your little phone that says update the software, update the software. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I need to do that more. <laughs> Dial, do you have a hacker bag at your home? A punching bag where you can put the word hacker and you just punch it when you get home from work and you <laughs> I wish I had that. <laughs> that was a good idea, wasn't it? Yeah. We need a dial like hacker bag. You, you hit them in a different way, though. Of you course. foil their, their yeah. schemes, don't yes. you? Yeah. Yeah. So a quick recap of the three again. Linda, as I understand it, number one, don't open emails that you don't know anything about, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, if they look funny at all, I don't open them. What was the second yeah. one? Weak passwords? Passwords. Pa yeah, have some kind of system for your passwords so and that you, they can be complex and they can be stored and they can be updated regularly so you're not trying to remember them. You have a system that's remembering them. And update your third-party software. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. 
Did I win? What did I win? So did I get something for Nothing. that? I'll give yeah. you a I'll give you a chocolate bar from Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. <laughs> as soon as we get there, we'll get some for you. <laughs> well, uh, Dial, you are fantastic. Dial Bagot, president of CMIT. Thank you for your input and thank you for your expertise. Thank you, sir. All right, so Linda, tell me the question that we need to end this podcast with. Will you choose to laugh at yourself this week? Yes. Right? Yes. Like, what kind of silly, can you just go, that was the stupidest thing I've ever said? (laughs) Or, wow, that was, you know, I was obnoxious. (laughs) Okay, whatever. Like, just can we start laughing at ourselves? Because I don't see how we laugh with other people until we laugh at ourselves. So will you choose to laugh at yourself this week? Amen.